welcome to episode 29 of Polly Wanna Cracker. I'm coming to you live from my car today. Um, not quite, but I took a little bit of a road trip just a little ways out of Adelaide because today's guest is NXT Federal Member for Mayo, Rebecca Sharkey. Uh, you might remember Rebecca won uh, the seat off the Liberal candidate, Jamie Briggs. Um, some might say it was unlikely, but as you'll hear, she campaigned hard and started a real grassroots campaign to win the seat and became the first woman in 115 years to be elected to this particular area. Uh, we also got, well, I also got a great uh, insight into the way Rebecca thinks and um, we kind of recapped her election campaign and, you know, election night and that sort of thing and, and um, sort of find a little bit more about how she works and uh, what we can expect. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy the episode. Don't forget, as always, if you have any feedback whatsoever, I'm getting a flood of no emails at the moment. But if you want to email me, it's polypodcast at gmail.com um, and follow Polly Wanna Cracker on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at polypodcast. Um, so again, if you have any questions you want me to fire at the pollies, if you have any feedback, um, Feel free to drop me a line and um, I will answer you back because, as I say, I don't have any emails. That's depressing. Anyway, let's get into episode 29 of Polly Wanna Cracker with Rebecca Sharkey. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, Tim. Thank you for uh, for interviewing me today. Oh, no worries. Thanks for hosting me here in your office. I forgot how far it is. Well, it's not that far, but I underestimated the drive from Adelaide up to Mount Barker. Well, it's a lot better now that we have the Heisen Tunnels, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. Uh, but you've come to, you've come to uh, Mount Barker on a beautiful day. Yeah. So we're happy to have you. That, and on, it is a nice day. And it's stark contrast to last week when originally we were scheduled to do this, I think, right as the storms hit. And the blackouts hit Adelaide. So I'm glad that you guys phoned ahead and said, can we reschedule? I'm not sure if that was the reason, but it worked out really no, well. No, well, we, we knew some bad storms were coming and uh, and there were, yeah, a lot of concerns in the community. And look, I mean, you talk about it being last week, even, even this Monday, we had uh, some significant flooding in our community, Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but yes, Thursday, and you, you wouldn't even know, but lots of damage. But we'll, we'll get through it. We always have. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, how did the storms treat you personally i know you've been out there in the community and helping out so uh, <laughs> how's it been in, in your electorate and in your area yeah look i mean yeah I, I did get to uh to help out with some sandbagging um on uh uh when was that that was uh the labor day monday oh, yeah. uh in mount torrens uh and uh, we my team and i were supposed to be at the strathalbyn show that day but um but it was just too dangerous to get down there but um but it was good to get out and uh look i i think Probably the most significant damage is a lot of roads uh, right across particularly the northern part of the electorate um, and, and talking to a lot of farmers. Um, yes, cherries are going to be late and expensive um, and, yeah, a lot of damage to crops, but uh, hopefully it won't take too long to bounce back. Yeah, hopefully. I did hear the other day that a regular bag of potatoes is probably going to be like $50 now. I don't, that could be an exaggeration, but it's going to be um, tough Obviously, for the farmers, poor guy, yeah. poor Look, guys and girls. D- tough for the farmers, but also tough for people on on low incomes because mm. um, you know you don't get any more 
um, on your pension um, yeah. just because potatoes and fruit have gone up. So, <laughs> That's right. so yeah, there's lots to bear in mind. Um, I've got to ask you, what did you think about the political argument that followed the, about renewables? Did you have an opinion on that? I know Nick put out some comments and he was kind of, some people kind of hacked him over social media about that and then he clarified later. But um, yeah, what, what so, did you so think? I think I think you know it's it's a separate issue to, issue to renewables. Um, however, for South Australia, we we do uh, have the most expensive power uh, in Australia, and then it's a question of our power security. Um, look, I really back Nick's position in relation to having an independent inquiry on this. Um, I think that that's necessary um, away from any vested interests of any uh, energy retailers or or producers or, or, or really even government. I think an independent inquiry um, has got a lot of validity to it. Um, we as a party most definitely support renewable energy. Uh, it's about getting that mix right. Um, I think that solar for our community is probably the most stable form of renewable energy and I'd like to see um, greater investment in solar. Uh, that's certainly the way we go in the future. Um, I do think though that the question that was missing um, over the last two weeks uh, is that this is climate change in action and, uh, and so I, I think that we need to be talking about that. There's a lot of people in the parliament who are climate change sceptics or deniers, or whatever you want to call them, um, but I think we need to give the, the environment the benefit of the doubt, and we need to ensure that we're moving to um, uh, forms of energy um, that are not going to hurt the planet, um, but are also going to be affordable for people. I'm meeting too many people that just can't afford to turn on the lights, yeah. um, and that's unacceptable. Yeah, what has been some of the um, talk from the community that you've met? Has there been much discussion about the, the climate change debate and renewables and those sorts of things? I think I think there's um, in in our community of Mayo there's there's a good proportion of people who want us to to um, be talking really positively about renewable energy uh, and ensuring that that we do have options and that we're in, we're continuing to invest in this space um, because we know that solar's become a lot more affordable. Uh, I don't think that there's enough public discussion about the move to um, to you know. Um, freestanding uh, battery operated um, so that you can harness it um, and, and you're harnessing your own solar power and uh, and that's you know creating your own energy generation I think is is terrific I, I think we're we're still having the debate about about coal versus other forms of electricity um, uh, and energy and and I think that we need to be to be talk, looking a bit more broad-minded yeah okay now let's talk about you Right. Um, so you came into the election running for a, a winnable seat, given um, Jamie Briggs's uh, issues, shall we say, towards the end of last year. Um, and did you at least initially think you'd find yourself here? Like, where where was your head at when you first came into it? Were you thinking, I'm going to win this? Yeah, so, look, more, more than a year ago, I was... Um I was working very hard, probably for about 18 months I was working pretty intensely with the intention of, of winning Mayo um, with the Nick Xenophon team. Um, and it took me a long time to make the commitment to stand for Mayo because for 115 years we have been a conservative held seat uh, and and so while you might say it was winnable, um, that certainly um, wasn't... 
what any of the polls were saying, uh, you know, and we I knew that there was a, I think a more than 12% margin. Uh, however, I didn't look at that and I just thought, well, every door I knock on is another door that I might be able to win the vote of. Um, I did feel um, that in the community people were still um, mindful of, of when we uh, nearly changed from being a conservative seat back in 98 um, with John Schumann. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to give my community um, a, another option that wasn't left of politics or right of politics, but sitting in the middle um, as a crossbench. And, uh, and I also saw a lot of independents in the lower house um, that I thought were doing a great deal of good for their community. And I thought, well, we could replicate that here in Mayo. So why do you think that the people of Mayo elected you over the major parties? I think there was probably a combination of, of issues. Uh, I think overwhelmingly people said that they felt that they weren't well represented, uh, that the issues that they, um, that they thought were important were not the issues that either the government or the opposition were talking about. Um, I ran a very local campaign, a very grassroots campaign, and my style of representation is is that it is grassroots. It is, it is my door is open. Um, I'm here to meet with you know as many constituents as I can. I'm out in the community. I've done you know thousands of kilometres in the car already um, as a as a new member. Uh, and people people were realising, I think, um, and the more that we talked about how safe seats don't count. Uh, it doesn't matter which side of politics the safe seats are on. It doesn't matter whether it's state or federal uh, politics. Uh, they're not the ones that win or lose elections and, uh, and you can very easily be forgotten about. And I think that we felt we were pretty forgotten. When did you realise that you had won this seat? And what did that feel like? Uh, so it was on election night. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a little bit surreal, actually, to be honest, because... Uh, look, you hope, you, you work as hard as you can. I mean, I quit my, I had to quit my job because I had to resign because I was, um, I was on a contract with the state government. I'd taken on a short-term contract. Um, so I'd put everything on the line. I, re, I, I mortgaged the house. I put a second mortgage on the house to run. And, and then that night, and it was quite early in the night, uh, and, uh, and so I'd spent the entire day out. It was a rainy, cold, miserable day, as you probably remember. Um, I spent the entire day out in the electorate just dropping in uh, to every single booth and giving my volunteers water. I, I wish I'd, there was some capacity that I could have made a cup of tea in the back of my car. I have to think about that for next time. Uh, and hopefully uh, Malcolm Turnbull doesn't decide to have a long winter uh, election campaign. Uh, and uh, I... I was just out and about and, and it was the polls uh, were closing and my last stop was Wollonga. I think I got to about 45 booths out of 68 booths. Um, so it was, yeah, it was manic. You know, I looked, I looked <laughs> like a, a wet dog by the end of the day. Um, and so my husband and I then drove into the city because we as a party, party were going to yeah. have, you know. I was initially just thinking I'd just go home, have a shower, <laughs> put on my... Put on my yeah. dressing gown. Um, anyway, we decided to have a team party and um, in the city. I had a quick shower and stayed in a hotel room. Uh, and then my phone 
started going a bit crazy because the scrutineers uh, in the small booths were, co- you know, so the votes were coming in and uh, and then I started to see that we were, you know, winning the small booths and then I was seeing we were winning some big booths and then my phone just pretty much just shut down and uh, I just got a message, come down now to where we were having the party and I think it was that walking into just a sea of, of um, cameras and lights, that was probably, yeah, a little bit daunting but, you know, look, I'd, what a privilege what a privilege to be to be uh, for my community to take a gamble on me. I'm the first woman in 115 years. I'm the first non-conservative representation. Um, yeah. Absolute honour. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty crazy. I, I, um, yeah, I couldn't believe what I was seeing on election night because it wasn't just here. There was other independents in yeah. other areas that were getting in. It was. You know, I, I kind of expected some crazy results and crazy election just because it just seemed so weird. It was two months long, which for a start yes, was, it was insane. Long. Yeah. And, and really hard on, on someone like me who who didn't have a part, big party machine behind me. Um, and uh, the media was, was fantastic, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a long period of time. It's, it's, it was, what, eight, eight or so weeks. It was a really yeah. long period of time. Um, and you know, it's, campaigning is is all day, all night. You live, breathe it, um, and and you know, getting hundreds and hundreds of emails every day, as well as making sure that I was trying to get out to everywhere. Um, but I met some fantastic people. We held lots of community forums. We'll be continuing to go back to the community forums as soon as. Um, as soon as this uh, period of Parliament's finished, so that will be our, our summer road trips right. right across the community. So, so no um, shutdown time for you when they shut down over the summer? No, no, <laughs> not at all. I'd, I'd like to take maybe a couple of days off. I haven't had um, much time off since the election, so hopefully between Christmas and New Year I can uh, take just a couple of days off to rest, recharge, but plan for, plan for the summer. There's lots we need to do. We've got um, uh, grant workshops we want to hold, so... Yeah, get the community ready for 2017. Yeah, a lot going on. And let me just clarify, when I say crazy results, I don't yes. mean like it was crazy that you were elected. I just mean in general, just <laughs> just these interesting results, different results. Yeah. Crazy is just the term um, I gave it. I believe that it was the biggest swing in the nation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't even had time to digest and go through the, each booth. Uh, or, or even, you know, I think... It's the demographics of, of who voted where hasn't come out yet. It's good to look at that and, and reflect on that and see, you know, where it is you have to improve. Um, certainly I'd, I'm really keen to work as hard as I can and improve that result for my community. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's what I did through the whole campaign. Exactly. Um, every time, I'd, you know, I'd feel that, oh, you know, people say, well, you're never going to win because there's never been anything but a blue ribbon seat. I'd just go out and just knock yeah. on some more doors. Yeah. Well, how did you find the first couple of weeks in Parliament? Because it was a pretty crazy time. And I feel like it's next week when you guys go back, it's going to be pretty insane too. It's just a lot It seems to be happening. So how did you find it personally? Uh, well, um, so the, we went to Parliament, all of all 37 new uh, MPs, for two days of, um, of parliamentary school. That was really good um, and, uh, and really knowing about what resources were there, particularly the library uh, and uh, and the function of the parliament. I'm probably a little bit more fortunate than a lot of the other um, 
new MPs in the sense that I, I had spent part of my career, about six years of my career, um, in our state parliament, mm-hmm. um, working with uh, a couple of uh, different members. So, so that gave me a, a good sound, a good background because the, both Westminster systems, a lot of similarities between the two. Um, Parliament is is a you know incredibly exciting place to be in. Um, however, um, and you start really early. You know, my day my day there starts at about four thirty five o'clock in the morning, uh, and then um, we we go on sitting until eight o'clock at night. Um, I make sure I'm down in the chamber every morning for the for the beginning of Parliament. Um, you know, it's it's funny. The only time the place is really full is uh, either when when a division bell rings or in question time. Um, but it's also a great time to meet with lots of different organisations that come to Parliament to talk about various issues. Uh, so it's a yeah, it's a really intensive uh, time. I think though it's really important, you know, despite all of the all of the fanciness of Parliament, without you know, for want of a better word, is that each of us there, each of the one hundred and fifty in the House of Reps is there to make decisions for the nation and so we have um, enormous uh, uh, power is not the right word we we, we have um, a great deal of responsibility to ensure that we get it right because every decision we make either hurts somebody or helps them and so that that very much weighs on my mind with each piece of legislation in front of me yeah I can imagine uh, what is that pressure like is it? Well, you know, you you um, you can't let it overwhelm you. However, it's really important to be um, to be well prepared to talk to as many stakeholders as you can about that piece of legislation, whether it's about childcare uh, or about uh, changes to family tax. No matter what it is, uh, the omnibus bill. Um, to ensure that you um, you are working from a decision base that is um, uh, sound for your community. It's what your community would want. Um, you won't always get it right, um, but as long as you go in, I think, informed and, and knowledgeable about the, the bill. Um, and I think a, a lot of backbenchers just go with whatever the party line is, whereas I, I need to know that I'm across every piece of legislation uh, and on an average week, in some of those weeks that we've already had, we have more than 30 individual bills that are coming before the, you know, that have been introduced into the parliament. So, so it's a huge amount of work for myself and my team, but we're doing really well. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that uh, with um, the party line, not that there really is a party line. So does Nick allow you to just go and make the decision or do you consult with him or yeah. what's, what's the story so, there? So complete democracy. There's yeah. four of us and we all get around the table and we nut it out. So tomorrow morning, uh, early here in Mount Barker, we'll be um, a shadow cabinet, for want of a better word, uh, for the Nick Xenophon team uh, here in my office and we will go through um, the four of us um, and then our, our advisors will come in piece by piece every piece of legislation until we have a consensus. Wow. Um, is, it, is there any particular um, things on the table that are keeping you up at night at the moment or that is giving you particular food for thought? Look, um, I'm particularly worried about how so much of the legislation when it's about budget cuts seems to always go to 
the easiest way to cut. So the most vulnerable people in our society, those who tend to have the quietest voice, um, so um, families. So at the moment on the table we've got uh, planned family tax part A and B cuts um, uh, with the government saying that, that these cuts are actually going to fund childcare. Um, if you don't agree to these, then we won't be funding childcare. So so that's challenging. Um, the omnibus bill uh, that that just went through, fortunately, you know, we, we said that we weren't going to support a lot of measures. Um, there were measures that were going to hurt uh, pensioners and, and people on Newstart um, um, with uh, the uh, energy rebates, um, even though that they were connected to the carbon price. We do know that say so new start is is 30% below the poverty line so you know why would we cut from that payment um, you know, if you want to streamline the payment, that's fine. Increase the overall uh, amount of new start, but you can't cut from from the most vulnerable in our community. Um, and in the next week, we'll have the um, the youth uh, employment bill coming through A again. Um, you know, that's about under. There's two significant measures to that that are really concerning. Um, one is that they want to increase the rate of youth allowance, um, as in the age rate for youth allowance from 22 to 25. So a person wouldn't, um, if they're looking for work, and they're 23, um, under the government's proposals, they would be receiving a lot less um, for looking for work than someone on Newstart um, to the tune of, um, I think it's around $100 a fortnight. Uh, and, and they also want to make it that a person who is young and looking for work uh, would have to wait a month before they receive any money. Now, my thinking is if you need to wait a month before you receive your payment, you know, you could be 21, you could have had a job um, and you could lose that job in a heartbeat, that happens, uh, and then, then, you're, um, then you'd have to wait a month before you had any financial support. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, I mean, my generation, a lot of us were older when we got married and having kids, but I feel like it's going a little bit the other way and there are people in their early 20s that are having families and... You know, they would need that support. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's there's lots of people who are who are 23 who um, who already have a couple of children, um, and so why you know. I, I also want to see, you know, well, what's the evidence behind this? What's the evidence that this is going to work? That this is going to um, create more jobs in our community? Um, so far, I haven't seen the evidence that that stacks up. There's also the, the broader argument of why should somebody who's 22 and looking for a job be treated any different from someone who's 55 and looking for a job? Um, and yeah, and then is that's just making it, um, I think, um, a greater risk to somebody becoming homeless, um, to somebody um, self-harming. Um, we don't need that in our society. Um, no, and I know in your first speech you mentioned a lot about the issues facing young people, well, not just young people, but elderly people too. But um, I think you made some good points about you know trying to encourage them to find work and perhaps not just you know the new bright lights of like you know new era jobs or new tech jobs or whatever but also try and encourage people to get out in primary production and that sort of thing so yeah well we, we've um more recently because of the backpack attacks issue yeah. um 
we've uh, come up with our own um, employment strategy. It's for right across the age spectrum uh, and it looks at, at seasonal work um, and how we can um, make that an easy entry in for somebody who's uh, on Newstart or Youth Allowance and then looking for work um, and ensure that they're not penalised and then having to go through that whole process of, uh, of getting back in through the Centrelink um a cycle. I don't know if you've ever had the joy of ringing Centrelink, but it's a, you know, you've got to pretty much put a, a day aside for it because, um, you know, it's 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 a hard thing to get through and uh, and it's very stressful for people. There also isn't the job active providers in that industry because a lot of it is seasonal work. So we're really keen to sort of join people together and uh, encourage people to to get into into that for our region because there's going to be a lot of fruit on the ground. So we thought it was a, you know, innovative idea. So that's what we're about. We're about doing politics differently. Yeah. Well, um, in, in speaking of that, uh, in your first speech, mm-hmm. um, you referenced Don Chip when he resigned from the Liberal Party I in did. 1977. You've read my first speech. This yes, is great. And, and watched it. <laughs> As I stand here, I am reminded of a speech given in this place by the Honourable Don Chip in March 1977. After resigning from the Liberal Party, he said. The parties seem to polarise on almost every issue, sometimes seemingly just for the sake of it, and I wonder whether the ordinary voter is not becoming sick and tired of the vested interests which unduly influence the present political parties and yearn for the emergence of a third political force representing middle-of-the-road policies which would owe allegiance to no outside pressure group. Although spoken nearly 40 years ago, I believe those words are more relevant today than they were back in 1977. And I look forward to more diverse representation and a growing crossbench and a vision of this place returning to what the Fathers of Federation intended, a place that is a genuine contest of ideas on how best to safeguard the future prosperity of Australia for all Australians. Well, look, I mean, it's a real challenge when you're a small party to come in and stick. Um, Nick Xenophon says that, um, that it's not about creating followers. Um, it's about creating more leaders. Uh, so now there's four of us um, in the party. Um, we hope that we can increase our influence in the next uh, South Australian state election. Uh, and, and really, um, the biggest part of it is going to be about ensuring that we're relevant to the community. If we can show in the community that we've got a great relevance here, um, that we speak for people who who are not being heard, um, I often feel um, that with the two major parties that um, that it's uh, for the Labor Party, a lot of it you know comes from their union background, uh, and uh, and the Liberal Party um, very much to me um, seems to to quite honestly speak for big business. Uh, and so I think that you know our, our role is to bring those those two back into the centre. Um, and really, you know, if you if you're a, a, a person who enjoys um, reading about political history, and, and you went back to the formation of the Liberal Party, um, it really was initially about a party for the for the middle class, a party that sat in the middle for the forgotten people is is what the term was. I sort of see that where we are is is about those people in the middle. Uh, and ensuring that we can um, that we can talk for for just you know average Australia that's working really hard that has a small business that um, that wants to buy Australian goods that wants to go to their their local supermarket and ensure that you know 
their fruits Australian um, and ensure that their kids have got a future. Um, and we're talking about a lot of issues that um, that I think that's you know missing from the from the political discourse at the moment. Yeah, and I just want to clarify as well for any green supporters that I wasn't yes. saying that they are not a third party. No, but, no, you no. know they they are out there and they're gaining ground. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting because uh, I mean, look, we we talked about at the start of this, the parliament looks completely different now. So perhaps there is a third party or, or fourth party. Um, some might argue One Nation. I'll just leave that out there. But, you know, there, there are those parties that are gaining a lot of ground. So well, I mean, one in four people voted um, for, for one of the... someone else apart from the two majors. And I think that that really speaks for how many people feel that their issues are not really being heard. Now, um, look, I don't agree with many things that Pauline Hanson says, but um, but I do acknowledge that um, that 600,000 people voted for her. Uh, and uh, similarly with the Nick Xenophon team, um, you know, we were the, I think that we were the only ones that were continually talking about South Australia. I'd argue, would we get, be getting the subs contract um, if, if it wasn't for us talking about this, hey, you know, this was an election promise in 2013, this needs to happen. Um, and and we will continue to bang the drum for South Australia and, you know, parochial or not, I will do that happily every day of the week. It's about Mayo, it's about South Australia. Well, um, just on that, uh, I, again, scrolling through your Twitter feed, as, you know, I've got to stalk yes. you before I do this. But <laughs> I um, need to get do more on Twitter. I don't do enough on Twitter. I'm very focused on Facebook. Oh, um, yeah, but well... But I, I need to expand to, to um, do more on Twitter. It's interesting. There is a lot of... we sidetracked here, but there is a lot of hashtag Ozpol conversation on Twitter. Mm. And, I mean, you do see stuff on Facebook, but that seems to be... I find Twitter seems to be where there's a lot of political conversation, which yeah, is interesting. Even though Twitter... Sorry, social media is what I do in my day job. But um, even though Twitter doesn't have as many Australian users, whereas Facebook has, like, like almost 15 million, mm. I think Twitter's, like, two and a half million or whatever. But anyway, mm-hmm. side note. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I just uh, want to um, ask you about... Uh, oh, here we go. So when it comes to voting on bills put forward by the major parties, yep. what goes into your decision-making process? Uh, well, look, I mean, there's a lot to it. You look at the bill, um, you'll you'll get uh, briefings from government on it. Um, you'll work with the the parliamentary library to to make sure that um, that you can um, uh, get a good understanding of exactly what's proposed, and then and then from there um, you uh, you work on on where your party sits on it. So so yeah. there's a lot to it. Yeah, I can imagine. And and you said that you're going to you meet with everyone from NXT. Uh, do your opinions vary quite a bit, or do you usually oh, align? Look, we, we all do come from a sensible middle ground approach, uh, but yeah, on from that. Um, obviously, you know, there's four of us, there's four individual personalities, but it's about working together um, and and coming to a good consensus um, and where we where we think it's best to sit. Uh, and uh, really fortunate, um, you know, Nick's been in the political space for the best part of two decades, both in state and uh, and federal. Um, and uh, we all came to NXT because we, we had a shared philosophy uh, and, and shared the, the core um, principles. So, 
No, it works. Okay. It works. Yeah. Well, j- just it's hard work, but it works. I, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. It would, but just quickly, I, I know we've got to wrap this up, but um, we record this the thir- Thursday before the next parliamentary sitting, so by the time people hear this, yes. probably parliament will be sitting. But is there anything that we can expect next week? Are we, can we expect some more fireworks? What are we going to see come out of parliament next week, do you think? Look, I mean, you know, every day is completely different in Parliament. Um, my understanding is that they're going to resume the debate in relation to the plebiscite. Uh, so that's one of the bills that um, that will be debated. And uh, we'll, we'll know um, a little bit later on today exactly what's planned. Uh, but you can guarantee you every week in Parliament's interesting and colourful. Yeah, it seems to be, especially at the moment. It's just, it's crazy. Well, anyway, yes. thank you, Rebecca, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And, Pleasure. Uh, we can do this again sometime soon. Love to, love to. Thank you for having me on. Bye. Bye. Bye.